Hi, this is Arielle Jack, Student Ministries Director here at New Life Church. Thank you for joining our podcast today. I pray the following presentation encourages, challenges, and inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy the message. You know Pastor Dave. I know Pastor Dave. And I got a little nervous when he went to introduce me because I didn't know exactly what he was going to say. I had a mentor of mine years back when I was feeling the call to ministry. He warned me. He said, never put a microphone in somebody's hand if you don't know what they're about to say. And Pastor Dave gave me a microphone today. So um, there must be some trust there, but I want to say a huge thank you to you and then to you as the church to New Life. Um, Like Pastor Dave mentioned, uh, we started Essence Place Church in the Hartford area about five years ago and just recently transitioned the um, pastoral ministry there to new lead pastors. But you, um, New Life, have been a part of Essence Place even before we ever met on a Sunday um, and, and launched the church. You've invested financially through missions giving, and we say a huge thank you. But even as you're talking about moving out of the Alma Road location, um, before we had a building to meet, Pastor Dave opened the church and allowed our worship team to come in and rehearse there um, every other week just to have a space to meet in to be able to rehearse. So you guys have been a blessing. And so I just a huge thank you to you for what you're doing to invest in God's kingdom, both here locally and then globally as well. But to Pastor Dave and Lisa, thank you so much for the opportunity today. Um, you said we're, we're good friends, and uh, that's not a better way to describe it, I think. There's not a better way to describe it than friendship. Um, Pastor Dave has been an encouragement to me when I've needed it. He's been willing to um, hear me out, vent with me at times in frustration, encourage me. Um, we've been on a wild roller coaster of ministry over the last few years. I know you've experienced it as a church, and so it's so grateful and thankful to be able to be here and meet together today. And I know God has got something amazing for us. Um, like Pastor Dave mentioned, my family's here with me today. So my wife, Kristen, and then Kevin, our oldest, is here, and then Paxton, our middle child, and then Haven, our youngest, are over with your kids as well. And it is uh, just a blessing to be here today. Will you pray with me before we jump into God's word this morning? God, I thank you that you are God over all. Lord, we recognize that you are with us in each and every circumstance of life. God, I thank you for the way that you have given us your word, your word, the scriptures that remind us not only of who you are, but it reminds us of who we are in you. And so Christ Jesus, today, I pray that as we open your word, as we listen to the words that you spoke centuries ago, that it would come alive in our hearts today. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate your scripture and bring it alive in us today? God, we humbly admit that we need you. Speak, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we know that stories are powerful, right? When you hear a story, somebody, whether it's just personally, a friend shares a story, or um, maybe you you hear a story, whether it's on the news or it's a a novel that you've picked up, it kind of awakens something in your heart, right? Get your mind racing, you start finding ways that maybe the main character of the story, you're similar or you're different, and it it really connects with us in, in deep ways, and it unlocks something in our, in our hearts, and our lives, even in our brain. They've seen um, brain scan images that when somebody gets told a story, the, the, the two halves of the brain, the right side, left side, kind of awaken. And, and so it's the, the facts of the story. It's the details along with the emotion. It's the, the, the feelings, the setting of what's happening. It all, it all starts to kind of awaken and unlock something in us. And so when we listen to a story, we realize that it taps into the whole of who we are. Now, 
many years back, it was almost 20 years ago, when I was in my undergrad, I actually started um, my, my college experience and my college degree. I was going to be a music major. Eventually, I, I shifted and I, and I um, went with a biblical studies. I held a minor in music. But I remember um, one day in class, it was a music history class, and there was this, this, this small story that a professor mentioned about a music composer and conductor in the 17th century. And it's just kind of, you know, in French royalty, they had um, had this conductor. His name, I had to go back and find his name, Jean-Baptiste um, Lully. Okay, and so this conductor, this is the story that my professor told, completely just kind of an aside story, said, you know, the, the conductors back then, they wouldn't conduct with a baton like we're used to seeing. They would actually conduct by pounding a stick on the ground. They'd have a staff and they would pound it on the ground. And this guy apparently got so into the, the musical performance that they were performing that as he was pounding, he pounds his foot, breaks and fractures his foot. His foot gets infected, gangrenous, and he dies. He's like the only guy in history that's ever died from conducting music, right? So again, this story has nothing to do with my sermon today, but you're probably, that's what you're going to remember when you go home, and you're going to be Googling this guy. And what happened in this moment, I mean, I'm telling you, it's 20 years later, and I can still remember that. I don't know anything else we talked about in class that day. Probably don't even recall a lot that was in um, that class in music history class that I was learning, but that story has stuck with me because there's something powerful about even just a short little story like that, that it gets our imagination going. Now, when we look at the scriptures, one thing that we see, especially in the New Testament, the stories of Jesus, is that Jesus was a masterful storyteller. The, the scripture, when we look at it, we see that about a third of Jesus' teaching was in story form, the parable, right? The parable where Jesus would say, I would tell you the kingdom of God is like. And then he would use imagery from the landscape and the countryside around the people there that were listening to him. And so he would draw from elements of, of nature or um, maybe family life or other imagery that he would bring people into these stories and he would reveal a deeper truth about who God is. Now, when we look later in the New Testament, we see that Paul, Paul liked to argue. Paul was like a master at the, the legal argument and making a case for Christ. And you read through Romans and you see these powerful arguments for, for who Christ is and what salvation means. But when we look at Jesus, we see Jesus that drew people near by the power of a story. Even in our culture today, there's words and phrases that Jesus used that we use and that people all around you use that maybe deny the existence of God or, or don't believe in Jesus, but they use the language of Jesus in their everyday vocabulary. Think about it. Phrases like this, counting the cost, that came from Jesus. Building on sand, using your talents, burying your talent, passing by on the other side, being a good Samaritan. All of those phrases come from Jesus, who was this masterful, powerful storyteller. And it's somehow the, the roots and the seeds of that go down deep into our hearts and our lives and in into the soil of our culture and are still there today. So what I'd like for us to do is, is I want to open the scripture to Mark chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, you're welcome to open your Bible to Mark chapter 4. We'll have the verses on the screen. But when Jesus would tell the story, the parable that we're looking at today, it would have been so commonplace for the people who were listening to Jesus that it would have made so much sense. They would have just heard him and be like, yeah. Absolutely, completely. So let's look at this together in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse number, number 1. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. 
Then he sat in the boat while the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the forms of parables, such as this one. And so we can already see Jesus draws a crowd by teaching, but he's storytelling. And so there's many theories, again, of like why people were drawn to Jesus. Yes, we know he was the son of God, but at that time, they they didn't completely understand it. They didn't completely see it. But there's something in the person of Jesus that was compassionate, that was working miracles, that was showing loving kindness, and it was drawing people close. And so as people were encountering Jesus, their lives were being transformed. So let's pick up the story again. Verse number three. This is the story that Jesus tells. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and they ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Verse number eight, still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Then Jesus says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Here's what's amazing about Jesus' storytelling there. It connects with our understanding of how God has created the world to work, Right? Like if I, And again, if you're a church person, if you've grown up in church, if you've heard these stories, you know this parable, right? You know it, you've heard it, maybe it was taught to you as a child, maybe it was illustrated at some point with a, a Sunday school Bible teacher, but we've heard these scriptures, and, and yet, maybe if you're hearing it for the first time today, you can hear that much of the scripture, and you can look at the natural world, and you can go, absolutely, that's how it works, Right? That's how, I mean, this is like elementary level science. If the seed doesn't get into good soil, what happens? It doesn't grow. It wilts. If the seed doesn't have the right conditions, it won't grow. And so we understand that. We know this about the way the world works. And yet when we, when we read these verses of scripture, we realize what Jesus is doing here is he's not trying to help his hearers get a blue ribbon first place prize at the Big E. Like, it's not about bringing in the the crop and being able to have the best crops to be able to say, okay, look at what I've been able to grow. He's not teaching them how to be really great farmers here. Because what he's doing is he's helping to teach his followers about a principle that's so much more than just seeds and soil. But it's people's lives. It's the conditions of our world. You know, when... um, we, we have, we've moved a couple of times over the last few years, and one of the things that always happens in every house we move into is for some reason we buy a house that has really bad grass. I don't know why. We have bare patches. We, we then start into this fight with the grass. And so we moved over the summer into a new house. We're in the Tallinn area. And um, the, the yard, it didn't, I don't, in my mind, it didn't look as bad as it looks now when we moved in. And so then I was trying to figure out what is it. And then over the summer, you guys know this, it was so hot that all the grass dried up, it withered. And then what's happened in the last few weeks? Tons of rain, right? And so now here we are, it's September, and I'm going to have to mow my lawn again. And I'm like, why am I mowing my lawn in September? But the seeds of grass that were there with the right elements, with enough watering, were able to grow. And so the grass has grown. And so um, I do know that going into the, the later fall, I'm going to have to plant some more seeds into the soil. And then hopefully when spring comes, 
We can get some more grass to grow and we can fight that fight. But I'm really concerned that where we live is very rocky. And I'm concerned that under the, the deeper layers of the soil, there's probably some rocks there. And that's probably why the people in the house before us weren't able to get the, the grass to grow. And so now we're probably going to be in the same fight with nature of trying to get grass to grow in areas where we can't get it to grow. But what we see here is that Jesus isn't just teaching us how to be really good farmers. He's saying, look, there's something more here that I want you to understand. Look at verse number 10. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the other who were gathered, others who were gathered around, they asked him, what does this parable mean? Because they know, Jesus, you, you've got something else deeper that you want us to understand, something more that you want them to understand. And so jump to verse 13. This is what the scripture says. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? I don't know how much you've read scripture or how much you've studied the teachings of Jesus, but that's a pretty powerful statement from Jesus. If you can't understand this one, how are you going to get anything else? Look what comes next. Because he's talking to us too here. <laughs> he starts to interpret the parable. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away and soon they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, by the lure of wealth, and by the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Jesus says, I'm giving you the understanding of what this scripture means because it's the key to understanding everything else I'm going to teach you. It's the foundation for everything that's coming and what I'm trying to help you understand, what I want you to, to, to embrace. I'm laying a foundation so that you can see, so you can understand, and you can know how to follow me. But if we look back, verse number 14, I feel like is a very key verse here. It says, the farmer plants seeds by taking God's word to others. Remember, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, his followers. He's speaking to us. All these generations later, he's speaking to us. And what he's saying is, I want you to be carriers of my gospel, of my message to the world around you. You, by the, by the way that you live, by the way that you act, by what you share, you are carrying the seed of my good news to every person who's around you. So as you go and, and as you pick up the seed bag, you guys are wondering, what is this? Maybe you got it. You're already a step ahead of me. As you go and you pick up that bag of seed and you hold it, you're carrying it with you. When you say that you are mine, when you say that you've given your, your life to following me, when you're allowing yourself to be transformed and changed by me, then what you've got with you is this bag of seed filled with the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't see it. I can't see it. Nobody else sees it. They may not even know that you have it. Maybe you're, you're an undercover farmer, right? <laughs> A farmer in disguise. But you carry it with you. But the most important part is 
A farmer is not a good farmer if they what? If they don't what? They have to put the seed into the ground. You have to sow the seed. And so Jesus says, you know, as you take that, that, that bag of seed and, and you're holding it and you're going throughout your day, you're just, you're just spreading some seed. You're casting seed out, you know? The alarm goes off in the morning. You hit the snooze. <laughs> and then you get up eventually and you start into your day. Maybe you spend some time with God's word and you, and you fill that seed bag up a little more. And then you head into your day. Now, a lot of us think our day starts when we, when we walk out the door and we head to work or we head to school or we head to wherever we're going, but it actually starts earlier than that. First interaction you have, whoever it is, family member, somebody in your house, time to start spreading some seed. It's time to, time to start casting some seed out. And then you go into your day and you encounter whatever you encounter. Jesus says, you, as my disciples, you're farmers and you're out casting seed. You're sowing seed. But what happens? Some of it falls on a footpath and it gets trampled, it gets stolen away. Some of it falls on rocky soil. And, and he says, you know, the rocky soil, like it's, it's received at first with joy, but the roots don't go deep enough. You know, problems come along, difficulties come along. You know, the person, maybe they, maybe they receive God's word, but then the challenge comes and, and, and the seed is gone. But you keep, you keep throwing the seed out, you know. Then thorns, you know, some of the seeds land among the thorns and the weeds. And those are just the distractions of life, you know. They get overwhelmed. People get overwhelmed by the worries of this life, the lures of wealth, by different distractions, things that would happen. And, but, but yet, you just, you just keep casting the seed out, you know? Maybe, maybe for some, it's the, the distractions of worries about tomorrow, but yet you're still there. You're casting the seed out. When it lands on good soil, we see people that receive it, they accept it, and it produces a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 times. Now, for me, I would really like to jump over those first three groups of people. Like, God, can you just illuminate a bright, shining arrow above the people's heads that are the good soil people, right? Like, I don't want to waste my time with the sowing the, the seeds into the soil where nothing's really going to come of it. Why do that, right? Come on, maximum effectiveness. Let's just find the good soil. Let's sow the seeds in the good soil. And then Jesus told us, 30, 60, 100 times, come on, that's where it's at. But that's not the way it works in our world. Jesus tells us, sow the seed. Look at this. There are some things I wrote down that Jesus doesn't say. These are the things that Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, don't throw seeds where the devil might take them. He doesn't tell his followers that. He actually makes it a fact. You are going to sow seeds of the good news, sharing God's word with those that the devil's going to steal it. But we still have to cast the seed. Jesus also doesn't say, don't dig up the rocks in the soil of other people's lives to help the, the, the roots take you know, root in the soil. Like he doesn't say, you know, okay, before you cast the seed into somebody else's life, set your seed bag down, get out your gardening tools and start digging up some of those rocks in other people's lives that you see, you know, make the soil a little more fertile for them, right? He doesn't tell them that. You can laugh. It's okay. It's funny imagery. Like he doesn't say, you know, go to that person that you keep trying to cast the seed and, and God's word and it's hard soil. He doesn't say go and, you know, take out your, your, your hoe or your, your shovel and just start digging up and dig out the rocks, think, if anything, that's probably God's work to dig out the rocks. Another thing Jesus doesn't say, he doesn't say, 
pull the weeds and distractions out of other people's lives. So that way, you know, the soil is a little more rich, a little more fertile. You know, it's not your responsibility to, to pluck the weeds from somebody else's garden. What does he say? This is what Jesus is saying. Pick up the good news and get to work. Cast the seed everywhere. So you just put your hand in that seed bag and you just keep spreading it. You just keep going. Now, here's something that's so cool that's really the opposite of the way things work in the natural world. If I were sowing seed in, 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 in God's field today, eventually this bag would run out, right? Like I'm putting, my, I'm putting the seed out there, eventually I'm going to run out. But the amazing part about the way God works is that God is a God of abundance. God is a God who is not a God of scarcity. So God's seed never runs out. We know that about God's word. This farmer's seed bag that God has given you doesn't run dry. It doesn't run empty. And so you can cast seed on every type of soil that's out there and not have to worry about what comes next. You just keep putting your hand into, this, into the bag and spread it into the soil. And you just keep spreading and keep spreading. And then what does God promise? There is good soil out there ready to receive the word of God, ready to, to open their hearts to what God wants to do. And when it happens, it multiplies. Because that's what seed does. When good seed takes root and good soil and it starts to grow, there's fruit, there's abundance. And then those plants produce more seeds that then get spread out and more seeds and more seeds. And that's how God works. So maybe for some of you today, maybe you're in a place where you're like, you know, I've tried. I've tried with them. I've tried with that person. I've tried with my spouse. I've tried with my kids. I've tried with my coworker. I've tried to just be a good example. I've tried to represent Jesus. I've tried to, you know, stay, you know, keep my, keep my temper under control, keep my frustrations under control. And God is looking at you today and saying, you know what? All I'm asking you to do is take up the seed bag, hold it in your hand, and just start spreading some seed. That's all you got to do. Let me take care of what comes next. Just put your hand into that bag, take up some more, and cast that seed. Now, if you noticed, as I'm doing this, and I'm casting seed out to you this morning, what happens with my hand every time? Take it up, and it opens up, right? You can't take the seed out and cast seed. It doesn't go anywhere, right? The posture of a farmer who's casting seed out into the soil is open-handed, right? You take it out and you got to be open-handed, open-handed with God's word. The promise of God is for every person. So we don't have to hold it tightly. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to try to control what comes next. All we have to do is take it up and open our hand. Think about it this morning. Think of some of the people closest to you in your life. What's the posture? What, what, what is the, the posture toward them when it comes to, to God's good news and God's word in your life? Is it open-handed? Is it ready to just, just release what God wants to do in another person's life? Well, I want to show you something. This is, this is the, the, the second part of this sermon, and this is, this is where it really started to challenge me. Um, it's because God started to show me that as much as when I, when I hear a good story, I, I really like to put myself at the center of that story, right? So, you know, you hear a hero story, and it's like, I want to be the hero, 
We watch a Marvel movie and I'm like, oh, I want to be, you know, I want to be whoever. And, and we put ourselves at the center. And so, and I think when we read this, this parable of Jesus, there is an important part where we have to look at ourselves and see we've commissioned, been commissioned to be farmers. But there's also something else that's happening here. Because as we interact with other people in our sphere of influence, especially other people who are believers, what are they doing that's coming back toward us? If I'm sowing seed like this, and you all are out sowing seeds, there's some of those seeds of God's good word that you're sowing back, so, um, casting back into and sowing back into the soil of my life, right? It's not just a one-way thing, right? I'm not the hero of the story. <laughs> Jesus is the hero of the story. Look at what, and I, again, I love this. This is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. He says, after all, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse number 5. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you have believed the good news. Each of us did the work God gave us. But I planted the seeds in your heart. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. What's important is not who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their hard work. We are not in competition about who sows the most or who harvests the most or who waters the most. We're just supposed to be at work in God's vineyard, at work in God's fields, sowing in different soils. But the truth is we have to stop at some point and evaluate the, the spiritual condition of the soil of our own soul, right? Now, you may think that because you're at church today, or maybe you're watching, you know, video live stream, or you're, you know, you, you regularly read your Bible, or you're in a life group, or, or you participate and you serve at church in some way, you may be like, yes, I am good soil. Look at me. But guess what? It's not always that way, is it? Let's do this. It's a little more comfortable. We'll turn it back to Brad, okay? We'll make it about Brad. I have noticed when I look at the condition of the soil of my life, there are areas of my life where the soil is good and it is soft and the, the seeds of God's good word have taken root in my life and I can see the harvest. I can see it, you know, go down deep and, and come up and have a harvest and maybe even see something multiply and have abundance. But if I'm going to stand in front of you and actually be honest and have integrity today, I can tell you there are areas of my life where the soil of my soul, I have to be careful when I say it, soil of my soul still has some rocks in it. If I, if I, if I pull back and I look a little bit, it's like, well, that, that part seems really nice. It's cultivated really well. But, but over here, there's some weeds. There's some weeds that need to be pulled out. Because when God's good word, the seeds of God's word try to, try to fall on that soil in my life, it gets choked out. And how does it get choked out? How does, how does Jesus say it? It gets, distract, it gets choked out with the thorns of distraction. Maybe it's the worries of this life, like Jesus says. Maybe for some of us, it's the concern over or financial concerns or the state of, of our world, the economy, politics, what's happening globally or locally. And so then the, the weeds that kind of exist in that area of our life, God's word just it can't, it can't find its way into the soil. Maybe for some of us, we've gotten really good at, at the top layer of soil. Looks great. But just underneath, there's some rocks. There's some rocks. 
And so when we show up to church, what do, what do the church people see? They see the good soil, right? Because I, I, I shave this morning, and I brush my teeth, <laughs> and I put myself together, and I raise my hands in worship. It was great. Maybe I shared a prayer request. That soil looks good. But when God's seed falls on that soil, it can't take root because there's something underneath that's hard. There's something underneath that maybe it's after some years of challenges and difficulties. Soil's gotten too hard. There's some rocks that have been buried there. Man, maybe they've been buried there for decades. Stuff that goes all the way back into our childhood that we just never, we've never been willing to just dig it up. To allow the work of the Holy Spirit to actually cultivate that soil in a good and real way. And so while we want to be out, you know, taking up the, the seed bag, and we want, to, we want to be casting seed out, and, and, and we're so concerned about where it's going and, and what soil it's landing on with this person or that person in our own field, <laughs> there's some work that needs to be done. And so when I see scriptures like this, it reminds me that as much as we, we can really get our eyes on others, and, and we need to be about that. We need to see that. There's some challenges that Jesus has for us when we hear this story of going, but wait a minute. What soil, what soil am I? What's the condition of the soil of my soul? An author that I've really come to appreciate recently, Sister Joan Chittister, she writes in her book, Between the Dark and the Daylight, these challenging words. She says, it's very easy to be considered perfect. All we need to do is learn to look good in public. Obey, defer, follow, be quiet. It's a child's trick that too easily turns into an adult lifestyle. We do what the world expects us to do, and the reward is instant holiness. We keep the rules of the institution. We defer to the opinions of the right people. We follow the right crowd. We say nothing when the world is crying for something to be said. And before you know it, we convince ourselves we're sinless. Ouch. When I read that, I stopped. And God and I had to have a moment. <laughs> Because I realize, oh man, Jesus, as much as I want to be a good little farmer for you, and I, and I want to take that seed, and I want to cast it out, and I want to make sure that I'm doing something that will turn into 30 and 60 and 100 times multiplied, the truth is, man, this sounds more like me than I'm even willing to admit. The soil of my own soul is just not where it needs to be. And so this morning, we come to a place where we... we have once again, we sat at the feet of Jesus, this masterful storyteller, and what seems like a so simple childlike illustration, he unlocks something deep in our hearts, in our lives, in our spirit. He brings us to a place of realizing, God, we want to honor you. We want to be your people. We want to hear good and well done. But what condition are we in? Are we really ready to, to, to do all of those acts of service and kindness? Or is there something deeper that you desire to do in us today? You know, we remember when seed goes into the ground, it needs to take root. It needs to be watered. It needs to be tended to so that it produces fruit. And like Paul tells us in Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit produces fruit that looks like what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And some weeks, I feel like, man, do I, 
Do I mark any of those? You know, it's not about quantity. It's about quality, right? So maybe it's not all of them, but I got, I got a few of them down. Truth is, God wants to empower us by the Holy Spirit to be able to do his good work in this world. But God also wants us to be in a posture of openness and humility and saying, God, let some of your good seed fall on my soil and may it be ready to receive from you. May it be open. When a fellow brother or sister in Christ challenges me with some of the soil that they throw into my life, some of the seeds that they throw into the soil of my life. Am I open? Am I ready? Am I hard? Am I closed off? When your Holy Spirit challenges me with with some of the patterns of the way my mind thinks and some of the things that I believe about myself or I believe about other people, and you, you cast some of that good seed into my soil and it reveals that, man, God, I'm off from what really honors you and, and lines up with who you are and what you say. Am I willing willing to deal with it? Or am I going to let that seed just shrivel up and blow away? It's a challenging word for us. 